Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights for making money in food. The Edible Alpha podcast is hosted by the Food Finance Institute, where our mission is to help food businesses raise the money they need to grow. Through our podcast, FFI staff talks to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food or farm business. Welcome. Today, we're going to talk about sort of the arc of entrepreneurship, you know, in, the, in today's world of of talent development, business development. Um, there's there's an interesting, you know, there's a lot of interesting trends going on. And, and honestly, from what you and I have worked on over the years, you've lived most of it. So I really want to spend how that works and, and how and how it affected, you know, how it's sort of how it's affecting you, how it's affecting the market. Um, and, you know, and share some of your insights that you've navigated over the last few years. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce yourself and then, um, your, and your company a little bit, just to make sure everybody knows a little bit about you. All right. Um, well, I was glad, glad to be on the podcast. Uh, this is great. I listen to the show and it's always a very good conversation um, just to listen to. So I'm Kwajo Owusu-Ofori and I'm the CEO and founder of Pods, which are coffee pods that are filled with vitamins and minerals that increase mental health. Yes. And so, you know, I know we started out, um, you and I first met, it was Satori Food Project. Um, <laughs> yes. And I think that was, you know, I, I don't know exactly the foundational parts of it, but I know, you know, it started when I first met you and I did a little research on you on the, the Kaufman Foundation and some of the things you you had done to get to the point where I, where I first met you back in, I think, 2015, 16, something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, you know, it was like, I thought, interesting, you know, this guy's got a lot of, he's got a, a, an interesting pedigree. So why don't you talk a little bit about your background? I, I'd say a little bit about your education, because it sort of feeds into your, into, into what you've done as a business. But also, um, I think, you know, you, your education, and I'm seeing this, I, I just talked to somebody from University of Whitewater, they have a, a undergrad degree in business and entrepreneurship. All right. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> See this, you know, we had a good conversation. It sort of takes me, it took me back to my just conversations with you and the Kaufman Foundation. So why don't you give a little mm-hmm. bit of your education and then in some of that Kaufman Foundation and, and some of the early entrepreneurship work you did. Right, right. Um, so what I think is like, it's funny when you said that the, um, the person you talked to just got a gra- an undergraduate degree in business and entrepreneurship. I have to like bring the time scale in. So like I graduated from college, um, I'm from North Carolina, NC State in 2003. So I'm 40 years old now. And I did a PhD after that in pharmaceutical sciences. I'm really into medicine and how the the body interacts with the, um, the foods and the medicines that we take and then vice versa. And so that was 2010 when I came out. And so right around that time, um, I think a lot of things, this, this whole, um, notion of entrepreneurship, you can do it too, right? You don't have to be this special person to be able to do it as long as you work hard and stay committed to like a plan, you would be able to to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So um, Steve Blank's Lean Startup was coming out. Um, what was it called? Sorry, Eric Rice's Lean Startup came out. Um, the book um, Shark Tank was kind of getting more popular. Um, I think a little bit after around that time, um, what else is there? Universities were starting to bring in people who were like trying to build companies out of um, the research projects they were having. So it was starting to bud, right? And so there was this whole movement for lean startup. And when I was coming out of um, pharmacy school um, at Madison, I came up here for school. 
there was, um, I noticed that like half of the faculty that I, I worked with, they all had a startup or some small business that was uh, spinning off their research. And so for me, it kind of seemed like that was the thing that you do is like you go in, you get a faculty position, you build your research um your research program. And then like when you find something exciting, like some exciting discovery, and then you spin it off into a, a company and you make a lot of money and everybody's happy and you can see your dreams come true. Right. Yeah. So um, I come out. Right. And I started my project actually. And um, I was actually working on respiratory viruses um, over at Madison uh, when I finished up and I was going to be this like virologist that would fly over the fly all over the world curing you know, what's it called <laughs> curing respiratory diseases and things like that and um, I think I just really got to the point where I was it was getting dissatisfied burned out I don't know which one it would have been about being in the science lab um, and just working to publish a paper which is great it adds to the body of knowledge that we have but I wanted to make products I wanted to build things I wanted to be able to like see my my work on a shelf, a grocery store shelf, you know, that was just the bottom line um, or being prescribed to someone, whichever way it went. Mm-hmm. And so with the entrepreneurship thing, the bottom line is that like Lean Startup was coming out, which is like, hey, this is a playbook on how to build a business um, when you don't have much money and you have a great idea that you think could be big. Right. And it was, you know, get investors, well, minimum viable product, you know, play it out, get investors, do all these things. And so a lab mate of mine who is um, Ankit Agarwal in Madison, he got he got a, a fellowship to do a Kauffman Foundation program down in Kansas City. And he came back and we were both working um, in the lab together. And I kept telling him, you know, eventually I wanted to like build a company and spin off and all this stuff. And he was like, why don't you just do it now? And I'm like, like, what do you mean? Like you to do it now? And he's like, I have a company. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, what? I was like, well, like, you know, he was like, I think he's like a year older than me. We were both postdocs. And I was like, well, how, you know, this just kind of like hit me, right? He's like, I have a company and this is how I did it. And so um, he, he ended up emailing me that they were having another go round at the Kaufman Foundation uh, Fellowship, which this Kaufman Foundation Fellowship, what it does is that they they bring you in, they bring in these top-notch academics to come in and teach you about like business management, financial management, lean startup, product development, customer development, all these different things. And they're bringing in scientists and engineers to do that. And they were bringing in scientists and engineers from all over the world. So like we were in a, we were from the States, a couple were from the States, a couple were from the Netherlands, a couple were from Britain, um, Italy, Singapore, China, just to come in and learn entrepreneurship because America is the like shining star when it comes to entrepreneurship. And it's like, it's true. Like even like learning and talking with people who are coming from all over the world, they're like, yeah, people don't think like that when it comes to entrepreneurship in America, innovation, ingenuity. It's just, you get in, you work for whatever your family businesses or your family, um, I guess, subject matter expertise is <laughs> like, that's it. And so um, we all came together and we're scientists and engineers and we're learning, um, business development. And I'm just eating that up because I'm just like, this is great because Lean Startup is essentially putting the scientific method towards business development and saying, can you create a data-driven process? And so I took that and I said, okay, there's a lot of things in pharmacy that I think we can do because everybody knows whenever you're trying to like, not everybody knows, but I don't know if people don't know. It's like when you're trying to do, um, when you're trying to build a medication or prescription drug, on average, it takes 10 years and $700 million to get that done. 
And so I was like, I wonder if the principles of Lean Startup could reduce that. And so that ended up being my whole, like that ended up being my project. Instead of going around the world finding viruses, I was like, can this be adopted so that we can bring more access to like healthcare, uh, drug development, pharmacy, all of that to people who may not have that $700 million in 10 years like I did, you know? <laughs> so, Yeah. So that's what that was all about. And that was that whole nexus point, I think, of like taking me off the arc of going to like work and be a faculty member to actually saying, can I build a, a company and create tangible products for people to use? Mm -hmm. That's great. You know, as I said, you know, when, I first, when we first met and, then in, and at that time mm -hmm. you were doing your cold call and you were doing, you know, you had a project, you, your project was going on. You had a product, you had a minimal viable product. You were you were doing, I think, cocoa and more like cans, you know, more like the mm -hmm. can. And, um, and I think you were doing a little business to industry on that. And, um, and it was all good now, you know, and, and then sort of, you know, it was sort of at that point where, you know, at Fab Wisconsin with, uh, you know, we were like, you were, I think you applied to our accelerated program at that time. Um, mm -hmm. And, um, and so, you know, so let, you know, let's, let's take it to the next phase now. So you're starting okay. to work on a business, you know, you decide to go down that route. I'm going to come back to some other points about entrepreneurship, I think. Um, but I want to, let's say I want to wrap up your business arc and then come back to a couple of thought, thoughts. Um, but, you know, so you, you came involved, you came to, to Fab Wisconsin, you had an, an idea that you were going to launch um, and you were, you had launched, but you know, you were, you wanted, you had bigger, bigger plans for it. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so talk a little bit about what you were looking for and then, you know, what you found and sort of some of the navigation points you had to, to, to navigate, um, you know, as you, as you pivoted your business from, from the Satori food project to, to, I call it Twee, but it's, it, 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 I, I'm saying it wrong. Uh, yeah, no, Twee is fine. Yeah. Right. So I think it's interesting. And I was, I was trying to think of like, when we kind of talked a little bit about the topic, um, where I was going to go with it. Um, and I'll, I'll put this all together where it's like, usually when I, I talk about the story, I generally just try to keep it towards business and um, that entrepreneurship arc. But I had to kind of realize, and it wasn't until I got through, I just came through a, a, an, entre, uh, an accelerator program with the Green Bay Packers. And I had a mentor there um, by the name of Mark Webster, who was kind of coaching me on entrepreneurship and particularly branding. And one of the last things he said to me was that, like, you know, I'm I'm married. I had I had one kid at the time when I was getting ready to have the, our second child. And he said, remember not to keep these things separate. Like, you can't have your personal life. And I'm pretty sure, Brad, you could attest to this as well, where it's like, yeah, you can't have your, okay, you know, this these particular hours, I'm only business. And then these particular hours, I'm family. I mean, you can kind of do that, but ultimately those goals need to be, um compatible so i said all this to say this there's <laughs> <was> like <laughs> it was like i'm um i'm going to start from that the coffin part and so like when i was doing the coffin uh, foundation part um i just met my wife my girlfriend at the time but now she's my wife and so you know we were thinking about where to live and um i knew that no matter what i was going to build this company build this product xyz and Around that time, I think Tim Ferriss' four-hour work week was coming out too. So I had a plan of being able to say, no matter where we end up, um, I should be able to work on this business um, through internet, phone call, you know, being able to like um, set up shop anywhere. And so I came to, came to Milwaukee, my wife's from Milwaukee, and I'm not from here. And so 
I think that what happened is that when I first started, I came up with the coffee creamers, right? Just from talking with different people, you know, we could just fast forward through all that to say that I talked with people, came up with a product idea to, to make these coffee creamers that, that had vitamins for mental health um, because we wanted to get into the routine lifestyle of someone who has anxiety or, or they're burned out from their jobs or something like that. What is something that no matter what is going on in their life, they always do. And it's like, we always get our first cup of coffee, you know what I mean, in the morning. And so, you know, let's start that off um, in a more healthy and, and better fashion and more productive fashion. Um, so I think when I came in, that's when I met you because Scott mm -hmm. Williams introduced us. Um, and I met yeah. Scott through like a, um, a networking event or something. And I think it's interesting because it, you'll, you'll hear it. I'm always analyzing my art kind of thing. <laughs> Everybody always says that like one of the key things that makes Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley and, and different entrepreneurships hubs, the hubs are these people who introduce people to people, right? <laughs> these like networking nodes is what they call them. Right. And so like, yeah, Scott to me is like a networking node. Like he knows everybody. He's got an idea for like, you know, how to put these together. He put us together, right? And we're still together. It was, you know, since I don't remember when I when I moved. But um and he said, you know, if you're trying to go into food, you know, um, grass to do the talk to um and get started with all of this. And so I remember coming to you and talk about that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was working at the time full time. Like I could tell people now it's like I've been working on this project, product, blah, 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 for like 10 years. But out of those 10 years, seven of those years, I had a full-time job. And so I would like, when I came to meet with you, I think I was like on a lunch break. I had to sneak out, yeah. you know, run, run down to the, um, I forget which office is downtown to meet you and then go back to work. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, these things are not divorced from each other, you know, making sure that you have to have um, your rent paid or mortgage paid, um, you know, dating, getting ready to, to be married and all of that, all of that goes into the entrepreneurial journey. Um, and so we went from that um, creamer, we launched it, we launched on Etsy um, and it started selling okay. And so it got to the point where I was like, oh, I was talking to my wife and I was like, hey, I don't think that this is going to get any better as like a part-time business, right? There's a certain point in time where you realize that like, um, it's going to make a certain amount of month you know, as long as you aren't like fully into it. And if you get fully into it, you cannot even make just 10 times more than you're making. You can make a hundred or a thousand times more than you're making now. If you just like dive in and say, this is what I'm focusing on. This is all I'm doing when I wake up, you know, in terms of career and business. So did that in 2000, I think 15, like shortly after I met you, um, and it didn't go well. Right. <laughs> it was like, we, I, 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 you know, and I was like, it kind of like made me realize, I think I didn't have any, I mean, I had the training, I had the theory, right? And what I always say, I tell people is that as much training or education or blah, blah, blah that I've had, I've had to go through the same steps as everybody else. I think I'm more aware of where I am in the journey than a lot of people are. So I have more patience and compassion for this, this pace that I'm in. And I don't have that, um, I don't have that maybe I should quit voice in my head, right? Because I know what the outcome is. I know they told us, look, you know, we're telling you all these things and you hear all these things about people in Inc. Magazine going from zero to $10 million in five years and raising all this cash and all, you know, and you feel like, man, you know, what am I doing? But it's like, honestly, most businesses take 15 years from concept to exit and they take the first eight years of the business to even start being able to pay themselves, you know? And so this is a long journey. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's on average, you know, if, and so I don't know if average means you do have a business degree or you do have some business uh, experience, you know, like, I think for me now, if I came out knowing what I know now, I can get things done faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the bottom line on average is 15 years. And so I was pretty aware of everything. Bottom line, I jumped off and I said, you know, went and told my boss, Hey, look, I'm going to leave and I'm going to try to, um, build this company. And he's like, good luck. You can always come back kind of thing, um, which was nice. Um, and so I went out there and I was like, okay, all day, every day, I'm going to be selling these coffee creamers on Etsy, Facebook, you know, all the, like we, we were talking about like, all the advice you get. It's like, oh, well, you're not going to do anything unless you're selling on Facebook. It's like, oh, so I got to, you know, create this Facebook page. And, oh, what are you doing? You got to be on Twitter. And it's just like, oh, so I got to go on Twitter. And it's just like, oh, you got to go to these product fairs. You got to get to these grocery stores. You got to like, this all this advice of coming in. And I was trying to like handle, I think at that time when I look back, trying to handle all this advice, right? Mm-hmm. Of saying, okay, these sound good. These don't sound good. Can I action on these? Can I action on that? And it's like, um, it ended up being that like, this is where the life part comes in too, right? Where like, we ended up finding a pretty great deal on a, um, a, a property, a house, a duplex that we can um, live in. And I planned to like take all of my retirement money from um, the job that I was working at. I was working with the health department at the time for Madison. I'm not Madison, Milwaukee, sorry. And um, take all that money and say, this is my startup money for this business, right? Mm-hmm. And then this duplex comes along and looks like all of that money is going to go towards us, you know, living and buying a property. So that's gone too, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then it's like we had to... Um, we just, you know, you, when you just buy a house, there are these things you need to fix X, Y, Z. Bottom line is, is that we underestimated how much you were going to have to put in to the, the property. And so I had to get a job, <laughs> you know, again, like very quickly. It's just like, look, this isn't going to work. If you're not bringing in this amount of money um, at this time, you have to go get a job again. So there was that and the company or the product itself wasn't really working. Like it wasn't selling like it, like I felt like it should. So I had to take a step back and say, okay, go back to work, you know, do a postmortem, what happened that time, um, that, that why it didn't work. And I think, and it's this, this one thing I've realized now, and if I had to give any advice to entrepreneurs, it would be this, is that you look at the resources that you have and you try to build what you, you want um, or what you, you dream, what you can do with those resources but I think that's the wrong way to approach it. I think you need to approach what does this look like, finished, polished, done, right? And say, what resources do I need to create that? Um, what they call like the prime organization. Mm-hmm. And so with that, that changed my whole attitude. It's like, okay, now I have a different attitude towards raising money. I have a different attitude towards product because one thing I learned with the cans is um, – we were making it in a commercial kitchen and every time that I get an order and I would have to go and make the cans. And so it became the more successful we were on sales, the harder operations got. Right. Mm-hmm. And that happens to a lot of businesses that I see where mm-hmm. like you see them saying, I'm working 20, 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day. And I can't keep up with that production. And it's like, for me, because of that Kaufman training, I knew to take a break and knew that there's something wrong. It it can't work like that, right, Brad? It can't Uh be like the better the sales get, the harder it is to run the business. It's supposed to, you know, and so like, that's why I was like, okay, you know, let me stop, do the postmortem, figure out what's going on. And um, the bottom line was, is that A, I need to be on a bigger platform like Amazon. 
B, I needed to find a surefire way to keep up with production. And C, um, I needed to raise the money to create that prime organization that I had there. And so like when I had those three tasks, which seems simple now, like be able to make it, be able to sell it, be able to like pay for everything. You know, it's like, I, I don't know, like, it's like, those are really the three things you have to do. And like everything else is just work towards that. Yeah. So, um, but I, yeah, so I love the, the Venn diagram. Like I said, I have it sitting up there because it's like, that's exactly everything. Those are all the, the wheels and pulleys yeah. that are um, going along. And so, we did the like we when I did all that and I started thinking about the creamer and talking with the customers, it became clear that like there's a lot of things that were wrong with that product. And I guess we can go into it now um, where it's like, A, we had creamers in a can, which is unusual. You have most of the time people sprinkle it in. So that's already one step away from normal. B, uh, we're trying to explain these mental health vitamins, which is also different from, you know, especially when we were talking about relieving anxiety through coffee. Um, it was a hard concept to get around. Everybody's like, well, coffee causes anxiety. You know, I'm like, yeah, but that's what, that's what we're trying to like change. The cigarette that cures cancer, you get the coffee that's going to cure you know, anxiety. <laughs> right. Right. I think that's an awesome, uh, you call it analogy. Yeah. You're right. So if I go up to soda, I'm like, I made the cigarette that cures cancer. Like, Oh, but cure grapes cause cancer. It's like, I don't know how to explain <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's the whole thing we're doing. But um, yeah, but with your product, right, um, you have two choices with that, right? You could either A, say, this is my message, and you just go and find people who can, you know, um, can get down with that message, right? And say, oh, I understand that, you know, or B, you change your message to fit the, the target audience that you that you want. Um, I don't know. What do you suggest happens at that point in time where you find out that your messaging isn't working? Um, I, I always, you're, you're, you have to change your message. I mean, a lot of times I, I've seen mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, because here's the deal. I mean, you only have you, one, you only have so many words you can say anyways, cause you don't have marketing dollars. Like even big companies, I'm not kidding you. They do copy testing period. Okay. And find out the ones that has the most, the most dynamic, you know, attraction to the brand and the product. All right. Um, and there's a reason you do that is because, you know, you're, you only have so many dollars to spend and you yeah. want to maximize that. And oh, by the way, I mean, if you, if you, if, if people can't see the picture, the vision, I mean, then you have to move the picture. You have to somehow look at it from a different angle, different light. Um, and so, yeah, you, 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 you know, I always, you know, you've heard me say it's really quite simple, just not easy. I mean, you, 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 <laughs> you, yeah. you got you, you to just carve out those, you know, it's, it's the Michelangelo David. You got to get rid of the excess stone so you can see the masterpiece. And if they're not mm-hmm. seeing it, you got to change it, you know, um, maybe a light. Maybe it's maybe something in your case, like say a little bit of it. You've done a little bit of all of it where you said, OK, I'm going to get a new piece of granite. I'm going to do something different. All right. Yeah. Um, you yeah. Know, when you pivoted to the, the calming cocoa. You know, yeah, uh, and then the and the cured cups and the you know and, the, and just the overall positioning. You know, you you've done that and you, and you sort of have to because if it's not resonating, don't keep pushing that rope. Right, right. right. Uh, it's it's a it's a tough thing to it's it. I mean, there's there have probably been examples where people just finally blast their way through, but you know, honestly, it's sort of like why. Um, when it's, right, right. It's, oh, yeah, yeah. If, if you come back to a piece of insight or research that takes you back to home, okay, great. You just did something not quite right. Um, but the reality is, is you know, look at that message. Yeah, yep. 
And that's exactly what we found too. It's just like, yeah, change it up. And so, and I think particularly, you know, coming from like a science point of view, like I, the way I always describe, you know, where I'm at is like, I feel like amongst scientists um, and engineers, I'm a pretty cool dude, but amongst people who aren't scientists and engineers, I'm like, like nerdy, you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. it's like, yeah. So it's like, you know, being, being in that, trying to translate things you know, I'm, I was talking about the vitamins and I think at some point in time I was talking about like neural pathways and things like that. And it's just like, nobody wants to hear that. We finally got the messaging down to this tastes great and it helps you feel great. Yeah. And then if you want to learn more about each one of those, you know, benefits, then we can start to like dive into it about vitamins or dive into it about Ghani and cocoa and things like that. Um, so yeah, you're totally right. It's just like, I, I definitely find that to be true. Um, which I think was, I think, different from the lean startup process, yeah. where the lean startup process will tell you to go find a new customer. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's something I had to learn. And um, I think it works better that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I'll build off of what you were talking about, and I'm glad to hear you say it, by the way, you know, at, you and I haven't talked too much about this topic, but this year, I know my fellows program, uh, you know, I've been, I've been really emphasizing a three-year go-to-market arc. All right. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say that is this: most of the companies I'm dealing with have already got three years in. So that's their proof of concept. All right. Mm -hmm. The next three years is how do we scale it? All right. And then the next three years is, okay, you should, if you do it. So I, I have a nine year plan, you know, that I mm -hmm. sort of try mm -hmm. to share with people that, you know, the, and then, you know, the next, the, this middle three is sort of starting to scale it. So you're profitably growing the business so that you're poised at, you know, six through nine to, to really grow a substantial business. Um, and you know, you know, once again, that's, that's probably best case, you know, like you said, it's probably could easily be another two, three years or five years. Um, most every major brand I've ever seen is about a 10 year wonder, by the way, it's not a one year wonder. Um, yeah, right, right. Yeah. um, and then additionally, the one thing I've been, I've been pushing people to think about because, you know, first off every business I've ever built, now granted, I've built it from more of a, a big food point of view, but you know, we built a plan, a detailed three-year business and financial plan. Mm -hmm. we, I, I, the, the, the nice thing about big food is you got an, you get a built-in investor, you know, and, mm -hmm. and so you, and then we, they all say, yes, we want to invest in that plan versus another plan somebody else built in the, in the company. And, and so you get the yes, you get the nod, you go execute against it. The one thing when we do that, we always plan for success. We do not plan for failure. We're going to right. be we're going to be in business in three years. Right. Right. And, and often I, I, have been, you know, the, 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 everybody one is living in the day to day. They're not even, I can't quite think I, I'm, I'm three years from now. I, I can't believe that it'll be that big. You know, that sort of there's, you can tell the hesitation that goes on when they start looking at the number that in that second three year section, you know, your number is going to be in the millions of dollars. Right. And mm -hmm. if you're in a thousand, 2000 grocery stores, it's going to be multiple millions of dollars. All right. You know, yep. based on the category you're competing in and you have to believe you're going to get there. If you don't believe if like race car drivers do not think about the wall, they're going by it at 200 miles an hour. They think right. about one of them. All right. And right. How, how to get ahead. All right. Um, you can't focus on failure. You got to focus on what it's going to take to win. All right. And, and you know, that the lean button, the, 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 the thing about the lean model canvas, that I think a lot of startups don't get because they haven't been through it as many times as people like in my role, I'd been through multiple business startups and launches is that 
what's in there, there's a box number six or whatever, all the activities that you're going to be doing, you know, to deliver that plan. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, you know, that's what happens in the next 18 months to get to three years from now. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Exactly. (laughs) And so, you know, you got to understand what you're doing is for three years from now, not, you know, it's not for today. Now, when I say that, then, you know, they say, well, how do you do that? I'm like, well, when I go out and ask for pricing from, from somebody or a co-packing, you know, agreement, I'm giving them the, the millions of units. All right. And even mm-hmm. though I'm only buying tens of thousands, all right, right now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to know that I'm going to be profitable in three years. Yeah. And if I'm profitable in three years, I'll, we'll figure out how to negotiate the cash flow situation in year one and two. 100% and, agree with you. And, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's the, that's the arc of a, of an entrepreneur is being the yeah. ones that can navigate that, you know, without having that built in financial team around you, um, you know, are the ones that are going to make it. All right. And, 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 and to your point, you have to accumulate, you, you assess, you know, the, the other thing you built on, you said um, that three year focus is that business now is multi-million dollars. You have a salesperson, you have a marketing person, you have mm-hmm. a, and, and now you have an organization that you have to manage. All right. And it's not right. just, <laughs> and you have co-packers, you have suppliers, you know, and you're not making to order. You're making to an inventory. Yeah. To inventory. Yeah. That's way different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that means you've got capital sitting in, 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 you know, yep. in a, you're in a building yep. and you're in, in, in an inventory, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and it could be an inventory of ingredients and it's going to be inventory of finished product. Um, and then you're going to have an accounts receivable payable that has to be managed. Um, yeah. Yeah you know, actively managed. And so you have to start living and breathing what that business looks like. All right. Yeah. And I think that um, what's interesting is just like what you're saying from the lean startup point of view. And I think this actually, it took me a long time to like understand this. It wasn't until like you're saying, we started growing and started seeing the business format that I'm like, oh, um, the lean startup is great to start, but it kind of starts to fall apart. And I think especially when it comes to the, um, businesses that have to manage inventory. So I think that if you're coding and your code is being warehoused somewhere, you don't have to worry about moving things. You have to worry about time for engineers and everything like that. But um, there's not, there's no cash locked up, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I think that that's one thing that, um, I, that we also figured out, um, like I said, the first time when I tried to start this and flopped um, was the cash flow. Cause the same thing that was happening. Why is it every time that you're selling more product, it gets harder to make or produce? How is it every time that I sell more product, I don't have any money in the account. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's because you have bags of sugar sitting around or bags of um, cocoa sitting around. That's the money, you know, or cans sitting around. That's the money. And it's always going to be like that. So like um, one thing from some blog I read somewhere that I think really sums up what you said was there's four stages, like where you have to learn how to sell a product and then sell the product reliably and then sell the product at scale and then after that, sell the product at profit. And so the faster you get through that, um, and I, I think that that's something I would have looked back to and said, don't worry about the profit now, worry about getting the customers. You can always find ways to reduce the profit in an innovative way, just like you know, you're know you able to create the, the product. You can, like when you move your eye of Sauron over to profitability, you will also solve that problem too. You know? <laughs> so it's like, whatever you decide to focus on, you'll make it happen. And the first thing you have to focus on is having that group of that uh, group of customers who like what you're doing, understand it, that you can rip off of all of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's so I've been. Uh, I, I think my kids would tell you this. Um, yeah, I mean, one of my, one of my, one of my. I probably should put it on my gravestone. Is like focus on what you want and do what it takes to make it happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you do that, I mean, it's like you know your problems do sort of go away. I mean, because if you, you've got you've got strategies and tactics that work, you know, it will it will happen. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you're wandering all over the place, you, be, you know, if you don't have that focus, you become a wandering generality. And, yes. Yes. And 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 that's what and everything turns you another direction, another turn. And it's like, nope, nope. There's a process here. We're going to work it. All right. And uh, um, you know, my undergrad, my undergrads in engineering, and my my master's is in business. And and mm-hmm. uh, I, I talk about you know never you know they used to ask me at different times along my arc in engineering. Um, can't we cool it off faster? And I'm like, no, that product has a specific heat. I <laughs> release energy any faster than I can take right. it. <laughs> and it's like, um, and so, you know, that, so don't ask me to violate the laws of physics, please. Okay? Right. And, <laughs> That's um, funny. <laughs> and then, you know, in, in business, there is a physics of business. It's supply and demand, right? Mm-hmm. And, it's the three, and, then, and then it's the three C's, the four P's. And we never... You know, this whole idea of supply side drives me crazy because you never built, we never built a plant that there was no demand for. All right. Okay. Um, you know, you always have a demand plan, you know, and you, that it's a real plan that, that you could do that. Then you might mm. build, then you build a plant for it. Um, and, and you might have to, you know, navigate through co-packers for a year or two before you get to that because you, mm-hmm. you literally can't build a, you know, you can't build it fast enough, that kind of thing. Um, but that's because, you know, you actually have demand for a product. Um, and, and you find those demand places by that, you know, that, you know, like you've said, like there's an unmet need in this case, like, you know, yeah, the world is a, is a crazy place. All right. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, chaos everywhere, <laughs> um, you know, and it's stressful and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, if I can actually, you know, I don't want to be taking all kinds of pills. I'd rather just sort of, you know, the food and, and it, that I eat and drink, um, you know, I want to make sure that if it helps me be calm, that's great. That's a great message. And it's a great, and, 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 you know, and, and the problem is, is, you know, you know, you know, even like uh, I'll use uh, Starbucks, you know, great mm-hmm. brand and it's mystic, but it's not a calming. I mean, while there is a, there was a calming nature to it in the beginning. Yeah. I wouldn't call it calming now. It's more of a social type of brand. Right. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and mm-hmm. so if they want to become that sort of like, Hey, better, better calming this through the food you eat and, you know, and why, because I've got, I know the chemistry and it works and it's good stuff. It's not, it's not, it's natural, you know, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not food science, food science. It's sort of, you know, it really the simplicity of food and, and the, and the mm-hmm. ingredients you put together. Right. And, and that's what you've done. And, and, I, and it's like carving out that message and that product and that space and then executing against it. I'm from a sales and a marketing point of view. And, um, yeah, it's it's quite an interesting arc that that um, I think a lot of um, entrepreneurs are navigating. And, I, and you mentioned something. Now you're 40 now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one investor group I was working with had some interesting metrics I saw, and that you know they, he's, uh, his comment was they find the best entrepreneurs are ones that have been are probably 35 to 40, right? Um, have worked in the industry their industry you know for a, at least five ten years. Mm-hmm. It's a general appreciation for the industry, um, but they do have an entrepreneurial edge that they want to exercise. All right. And, mm-hmm. and so now there's a certain amount of knowledge that starts out and then there's connections to the industry that connect that come out. And there's a certain amount of patience um, that, that comes with that extra, I'm going to say age. All right. Yeah. Um, you've been, I mean, 
the one thing that, the, and I, this is where I want to circle back to the entrepreneurial world, because okay. the one thing I've, I've noticed is that when I come over, I was at, at a company, I was looking to hire a director of engineering. And so we were, I was looking at resumes and I'm like, everybody had two years, two years, two years someplace, you know, they did a jump. And nowadays that's not a big deal. When, when I, when I grew up, if I, when I left Oscar Meyer to go to work for Sargento, that was a five-year commitment as far as I was concerned. Cause if mm-hmm. I, if you're not anywhere for five years, you're in trouble you can't, you're a job hopper back, back in the, in the eighties and nineties, you're a job hopper. When I went to, mm-hmm. I went to, I went to when I was at Oscar Meyer, I was, I got out of school in 83 and, uh, um, I was going to, you know, and I went through a training, a six month training program, which they don't do today nowadays. I mean, Oscar Meyer doesn't, and I know very few corporations do. Um, you know, I got a chance to fly to, to all 17 plants on the corporate jet. I had six, I had two months of project management, two months of, of maintenance. Hey. And, I mean, that's the kind of training they <laughs> used to give in corporate America. They don't do that very often anymore. Um, and, and, and then, you know, and, and then when I went to everybody I worked with at Oscar Meyer, you know, we were there for 20 some years. I mean, I was, right. the new kid. I went through this training program and when you went through that training program, you're on the, on the every year, up or out two years, you, you had to grow, but you were going to stay in that company. All right. Mm-hmm. People were going to retire. And, and oh, by the way, and now I'm part of an alumni. I was there for eight years and I'm part of the alumni association at Oscar Meyer. All right. And wow. Sort of, it's sort of like I don't think people can most most I'm going to say workers these days don't have this sort of knowledge base or history and and I'm I'm starting to real, realize my age. I mean, they, <laughs> I mean they, the stories that are being told on this is that my parents got me into Oscar Mayer, all right, right, and, and I worked there for thirty years, and and all these great stories and the great people and the business they built and and it was wow. sort of like that was the way it was. Corp, they took care of you, you took care of them. You built, everybody built a business. And so, I was going to ask, sorry to interrupt, but it's like, that's very interesting. Did you notice the change? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And then you saw it because by the time I came out of school, like we didn't think corporations cared anything about us. I think oh, it has yeah. gotten worse. That's why yeah, everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> so, so the arc I'll, I'll, I'll share a little more yeah, than, yeah. so, so I loved Oscar Meyer, you know, Hale Meyer was there, but they were, you know, the family was sort of gone, <laughs> but, but that, but you could still feel a little bit of the uh, of a of a family tie. They had bought in Lewis Rich, so Marty and Norman Rich were not part of the company anymore. But their people they hired were right. Mm-hmm. So I worked with Lewis Rich for a few years, about five years, and in the corporate office in Madison. And uh, um, and you know you could feel it, all right. And and when I had built a plant and four years later we shut it down and, you know, and there was some Philip Morris impact and there was some craft impact and, yeah. and, and all of a sudden we have to right size this company. All right. So they started shutting down plants. All right. To be competitive, they rolled back the wages of, of the workers, two bucks an hour. Right? Oh, <laughs> I know wow. it, was, it was, it was, it was the beginning of, of corporate sort of rule. All right. And, and yeah, but so like who was, who was doing that? Because I don't want to bash Oscar Meyer or whatever no. this is about. It sort of becomes, it was the Jack Welsh sort of uh, mentality. Yeah. We have to have continuous improvement. We have to start taking out cost all the time, cost, cost, cost. And so they had a reduction in force and I was able to actually, le- I, I was able to take the, the severance off opportunity and leave and go to Oscar Sargento. Um, I was sort of a folk hero at the time when they first, that was the first time that they actually offered up a package for people to leave. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that was in 92. All right. Then I went to work for a Sargento, which was a family company. 
All right. Mm-hmm. Lou, you know, Leonard Gentine and the, and then the three brothers were coming back, had come back to the business and were running it. It was a really good family entrepreneurial type of company. And at that time, I, I, I stayed there for 16 years. So that was, and, you know, and, and like I say, nowadays, oh. if you're at a company for five years or 16 years, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Right. Um, and like I said, when I looked at these resumes every two years, one of the issues I saw with that is that one, they never had to live with their problem. They always, you would, because even if you, if you did something, did something, you, you know, is it a hundred percent a success or is it 60 to 80 to 90% success? Usually it's 60, 80 to 90. It's not a hundred percent. And so you have a problem, you have, you can reflect on that problem so that you don't do it again. But if you leave the company, you never have to deal with that problem. And so what do you really learn? So do you feel, you feel like, um, like that's what was going on. And I would imagine this was happening at the management level. Like the kids that were coming out of school were like hell bent on like lowering, like improving costs, lowering. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're, yeah. That's, that's how they're driven. They're driven yeah. by. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's a, it's, 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 you know, and I say that's, that's a lot of what I think there's, you're missing there. You don't quite have that longer term. I mean, right now corporate America is pretty much a, it's a stock market driven thing. And every quarter you have a number to hit. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's why I liked working for privately held companies. They had a lot more leeway. All right. Um, between Sargento and Palermo's, I mean, they're, they're both privately held and, you know, we had good years and bad years, you know, mm-hmm. but we, we didn't go thrash the company necessarily. All right. Um, you know, the 3G groups sh- shut down, you know, what eight, I don't, I don't think it was like eight plants, you know, when they came through with, at Oscar Meyer. Um, and, and consolidated their business and, you know, and, and yeah, maybe themselves maybe, on the back for lowering yeah, costs. Yeah. Extent, maybe, maybe some elements were probably right. All right. Some elements though, could you have taken a little longer view of this and not had to destroy so many lives in the, in the, in the, in the making? All right. Well, uh, you know, and, and, but that's what you don't get with a corporate company. And that's what, that's why. And, and then the thing is, when you start when you start right sizing like that. So back in '92, it was the first time Oscar Mayer had ever done that. All right, and and now you know that's '92. So 20 years later, you know, in, in 2010, 12, 12 time time thing, everybody's been doing it. Everybody has been right sizing. All right, so right. To, you know, there's no loyalty has been destroyed at corporate America because you know you just know you're only one quarter one year away from being right-sized or bought out by somebody else and then we don't need you anymore yeah unless um, you're able to perform the duties of two three people yeah. and then you're stuck doing that forever like yeah. i know a lot of friends who yeah. are in that position you yeah. know I, I, exactly yeah. i i had a you know you get you get and you get good at it i mean I, yeah yeah sure that, but but yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> you corporate, can do it yeah. yeah it's a corporate grind um and and then how much are you really getting out of that i don't know and, and then there's always the degree the, and, and nowadays as i said what's happened is since loyalty's gone away and every two years every two years like I say I, I was working with some hr people and and they were saying, well, yeah, but they've been there for five years. And they're like, I go like and, and, and I go like, and you're complaining, I mean, about looking for people and, you, and you're sort of turning somebody down that's been around at a company for five years. All right. Um, right. I go like, I, I just don't get it. And, 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 and so it's sort of been interesting. They've, they've sort of created a culture that, you know, they, they, they complain about. All right. Um, well, yeah, I was getting ready to say, because that's, I mean, like bringing it back to the entrepreneurship discussion, that's why a lot of people are just like, let me go ahead and try to build my own thing. Because it's just yeah. like what you said, like, even when I was first graduating, like, 
the good, the big thing would be for me to like go to a Pfizer or go to Abbott, right? Yeah. And, and get a corporate job and I'm there, I'm part of the team, you know, yeah. get my backpack, all of that kind of thing. And that just wasn't <laughs> happening because yeah. like we're saying, there's somebody that's doing six jobs, you know, and so it's yeah. like, there's not a job there. And so like entrepreneurship ended up being a way for me to like still be able to be in industry without necessarily being in industry because, you know, I wasn't able to get in, but nowadays, like people coming out of school and even like they're in their whole twenties, maybe even early thirties are like, I don't want to see any Nestle or any Abbott or anything like that. I just yeah. want to build my own thing, you know, and that's it. And now these bigger companies are having to hire people like Aquahire through yeah. their business. So it's like, yeah. you're not just, I'm not filling out an application for, you know, whatever dollars an hour or whatever salary you have to acquire my business, you know, yeah, yeah. So well, it's getting it's more expensive. Yeah. And, yeah. They've also outsourced innovation because to yes. corporate America, a, you know, a $50 million program is sort of like baseline, you know, and it's more like a hundred, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so what happens is, you know, if you go in and have a plan and I've physically seen these plans, all right, go in front of boards and, mm -hmm. and saying, and, you know, give me X millions of dollars, I'll give you a hundred million dollars in business. And then they get 50 million in the first year and, and maybe, you know, and, and they're like, well, that's a, that's an F. All right. You understand that's not, that's not, that's not a, out on a scale. You, you said 100, you got 50. They don't kill it usually, but they don't necessarily support it because the next person comes in with another $100 million project. And and they said, well, let's take some money from that one that didn't quite do as well and we'll put it toward yours. And what happens is that that's the death spiral for the fifth, you know, the first hundred million dollar project. And it definitely will be because it's like you have to even just from what I know about putting in one product, like you yeah. have to make sure you're going to see it through to the end. Yeah. I mean, you can't yeah. like anything that you say, oh, if this doesn't work, then I'll stop. Well, like, you'll, well, you'll stop. <laughs> yeah. And you got to think about the corporate gravity, gravity that occurs, because when that when that business all of a sudden doesn't make it, those mm -hmm. brand, those brand managers and everybody around it are, are trying to update their resume and get to another another project or another. <laughs> That's fair. True. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's not a it's not a pretty sight. Um and so, so they've effectively outsourced innovation um, in, in a lot of different ways because you guys have the, the bandwidth to focus on to keep working on it, be, keep your head down and sure. you know, going yeah. for the big exit. So there's that going on. And then, you know, what's interesting at, at Fab Wisconsin, we would host a Farm Factory Fork event every mm -hmm. year. Yeah, it's a great event. Careers in food. And one year we had a panel with Sargento, uh, uh, Louis Gentin was on it, uh, Giacomo Faluca from Palermo's Pizza was on it. Truman McGee was on it um, from Funky mm -hmm. Fresh. From Funky Fresh, uh, yeah. Uh, Katie Wessel from Milwaukee Pretzel. Yeah, and, yeah. Mm -hmm. and I can't remember. There was another one, but but there was twenty five questions from high school students, and these are people thinking about careers someplace, right? Mm -hmm. That's all a career exploration thing. And you had to, you know, you had to sort of want to attend. It wasn't mandated to be there. And uh, all twenty five questions were to the entrepreneurs, mostly to Katie and to, to Truman you know, about how to start up a business. Even when they talked to Louis and, and Giacomo, it was how to start up a business. Now, how do I get a job at Sergeant? Right. Which and, I mean, like I said, when I was coming out of school, that would have been the question. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's what it was for me. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, it's, and I'm, as, as I'm watching this go down and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked, you know, and I'm going like, wow. when I was a kid, nobody thought about doing that. Um, and, and, you know, and then just, you know, and then I work with you guys, uh, the entrepreneurial world for the last seven years. I'm like, okay, this is interesting watching. I'm like, I, sometimes I scratch my head. Why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> You're um, not the only one, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, 
but but it, like you're doing it, and there's and, and and then you start seeing the CNN numbers every month where they talk about 240,000 jobs that's above or below the number, and then about five minutes later they start talking <laughs> about then then they said five minutes later they go but there was a million new jobs created last year. Last yeah, month. I don't understand. And, that. And, yeah. well, and they start talking about 750,000 of them were people starting up their own businesses. All right. Oh, and, and, and I thought, well, it's interesting reporting that you report only the big company stuff, not the startups of the company, not the startups. Right. Especially <laughs> in a place like we talked about, where America is like, yeah. you know, wow, sixty huh. percent. Well, the problem is America has sort of lost their focus on that. I mean, they, I think they're good at it. They're great towards at entrepreneurship it. or towards business, like, no, like just legacy businesses. The, or, the way it's reported, the way, yeah, the way businesses. Oh. Are, and, and stuff like that, you know, we got so myopically focused on the numbers that we know versus the numbers that you know we don't know. And and sixty percent of our GDP is from companies under fifty co- employees. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. And so that's small businesses, guys. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and so for whatever reason, we discount small businesses, right? Um, Who are making a lot of money? Like, I think yes. people think that like only these large corporations are making billions. There are plenty of people who have less than fifty employees yeah. that are making billions of dollars a year. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so it, it's been interesting to watch this arc. You know, like you know, when you st- like say the way you mm-hmm. described it back in two thousand three to two thousand and ten, it's like okay, it was happening, but it was sort of happening for various reasons. Um, mm-hmm. And then corporate America continued to do what it's been doing. And, and, you know, once again, the stock market, they've sort of done it. They've je- de- delivered their numbers, right? So sure. they've done their fiduciary responsibility sure. That's to, their, fair. Yeah. to their stakeholders. Um, but they've also created this sort of an enormous entrepreneurial lane, all right, mm-hmm. um, for people to, to figure out how to run their own businesses and then grow their own businesses and hopefully sell it if that's what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and the tools are so much easier, like because, like you're saying, that whole um, culture has kind of popped up. There are so many tools on the Web now, yeah. like from when I was trying to do it, you know, yeah. starting out in 2000. Well, now it's like, man, I could sit here and run. You could like and I've talked with people who have exited the company. You could run a 10 million dollar company from yeah. like QuickBooks, like yeah. the, the regular essential version. Yeah. You oh, have yeah. that. You have a couple of Autobots on, you know, Amazon and Facebook and then boom, you're there. And so it's, it becomes more strategy now than it does the hard work and hustle. And I couldn't imagine what it would have taken to build a company in the in the 80s and 90s, but oh, it's just yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the taxes. I share my corporate experiences with people and they're like, well, that's corporate America. I said, you don't understand. I had to get a thousand people to say yes. Right. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So it wasn't as easy as it sounds. Through um, phone calls, you know, yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the one advantage I did have is once I, you know, when, as we went down that path together and I got smart enough to make sure that I had the CEO putting the objective. I want $25 million at 10% contribution in these lanes. Mm-hmm. And if, if the CEO says that, everybody sort of nods their heads. All right. And then they start looking at what you show them that fits that parameters. And then, and they're part of the program. And, and, you know, that kind of, that kind of management is, is, is what makes corporations work well, if you can do it right. But mm-hmm. that's, that same kind of management works for what you're doing, because honestly, you got to build a plan worth your, your investment of your time. Yeah. If you bring on friends and family, you want to make sure that you have a plan because you don't want to be the oddball at Christmas time that you sort of suckered them in. Yeah. Messed up um, their money. Oh, 100 percent. I, I went at the Coffin Foundation thing. And then I want to get back to what you were talking about, where ultimately, like nowadays, um, 
I find that like the more and more people that I work with all seem to have the CEO title or consultant title. Like there's, it's very rare that I'm running into somebody who isn't running their own business. So like that whole thing about now talking to CEOs is very interesting, but um, no, 100%, like one person in the Kaufman thing, which is why I really like that program. It made me very aware of what's happening because mm-hmm. those first dollars are going to come from friends and family. You know, uh, my sister was one of the first dollars into and her family, her husband, were all the first dollars into this company. And then it grows from there. And he said that, like, he was working for IBM. I love these IBM stories because I guess I didn't know how much of a powerhouse IBM was yeah. in the 70s. A big blue. Oh, it's just uh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every every salesperson. But it, it spun out a lot of successful people. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and there's just like I used to work for everybody I talked to. Like I remember the programs I used to work for IBM. I used to work for IBM. Used to work, you know, it's just like um, so he, he used to work for IBM, and he was talking about how he had this, you know, whatever mainframe, blah blah blah. Bottom line, he lost, you know, his his like uncle's money or something like that, or his father-in-law's money. Um, even though the company was doing great, what happened is they took on a customer that was too big for them to handle. They got really excited about taking on like this big pharmaceutical company and. The amount of stress that servicing that big name company put on the company, you know, shut it down. But yeah, every Thanksgiving, you know, he had to look at him and know I lost, you know, $200,000 of his money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, as I say, it's a, when you build your financial plans, one, you you should be doing it just for your own. I always say, if you can't, if you can't look at it and say, that's a plan worthy of my time and investment, right. you, should stop, you should stop. Then, you, you know, then you got friends and family. And then lastly, when you start getting to banks and investors, they require it. All right. So, so, so to some extent, you know, when, when I'm, when I'm working with you guys and you don't quite get it done, I'm like, you're going to get it done if you're going to be in business. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're going to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. And I I like what, what Fab did was great. Um, was a taught me, you know, how inventory manages cash flow, but B, um, like when you're coming through a lot of other entrepreneurship programs, the goal is to pitch, pitch, pitch and get to yeah. investors. Right. But yeah. with Fab, you're just like, no, you know, go for a bank loan, see what you can get. Yeah. You know, get some credit cards, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. And it's like, you know, when I decided to start working with banks instead of yeah. um, investors, my business got better because the banks don't, they don't play any of that. Right. <laughs> They're just like, you're not worth, you're not worth $3 million because you say so you're worth, you know, yeah, well, and, and plus the banks, you know, it's a it's much more fixed, you know, payback situation. So yes, you know, yes. investors have a pretty fast arc and they want, they're betting on the future, not necessarily just the $1 that they put into you. Um, and and then, you know, I mean, nothing, I mean, investors that have their place, you know, we, we always talk about sources and use of capital. There's places for, mm-hmm. you know, there's a place for debt, there's a place for equity. Um and and you you get to pick it honestly. I mean, right. from your company, pick. I mean, it may be a longer arc if you use debt more often than you use equity. But the reality is, is you have more control over it. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and 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 you know, the thing is, it, it does come back to it. Is like, you know, I want you, you know, the one I want entrepreneurs to start thinking about is that one one. You know, what we've discussed is there's a path. All right. Mm-hmm. The path is not really, in fact, it's probably more difficult than corporate America in some respects, because unless you've got the experience, like unless you've got experience in that space, you've got to learn that. All right. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, and I learned it on, on Oscar Meyer's time. You know, I yeah. literally had, I had two vice presidents that I talked to every month, you know, during my training program. And mm-hmm. then since I was part of that training program, you know, I was, they, I, I got to know these guys, you know, and so you, I literally have, 
you know, the vice president of engineering at Oscar Mayer, I still know to this day. All right. Mm-hmm. But now, now he was, he's no longer there. He's retired, but, but, um, but I still know. All right. And, and I know, I know a whole bunch of executives have gone on from other, from other to other companies, you know, they were either my peers or, or, you know, you know, just above me, you see your network is there, you know, you don't, I have it. All right. It took me 35 plus years to, to get work, to get my knowledge base in the industry. All right. So your job, as you said at uh, Quadro, is, is to to network and acute, acquire, you know, to build that sort of framework and that model that will deliver the things and then acquire the the insights, the talent, the connections um, that that, you know, in the next three to five years in order to be able to do it. All right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's and the only way you do that. And you're in your world of the entrepreneur world is sort of like through the fabs, through the FFIs, through the. Um, through the various associations mm-hmm. that you can navigate and, 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 and get some people to, to work with. Um, but, but really, you know, connect and collaborate, you know, to build these plans. And, and I think, but as the founder, you have to lay out the framework. Otherwise the, the plan gets pushed around in front of you and you, you, you've got, you have got to be the CEO. All right. Um, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's interesting because um, I think that and I was thinking about this through the frame of when you were talking about people seem to be better at this between 35 and 40. And I'm like and then I also have been like, I'm, like I, said, I really re- read about the the big entrepreneurs and everything. And most people do make most of their money um, or their wealth in general in their 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of life. And I'm like, well, what's what's happened for my 30s? And like, I'm only like, you know, a couple months, not a couple months, maybe half a year into my 40s or something like that. But what's the difference between that and my 20s, right? And I think that, or even the the, the arc and the entrepreneurship path that we're on now, which is like way better than, than it was before, um, what's the difference? And I think that the key thing was like, when you were starting off with that plan, your business plan, and I wanted to get to that because like nowadays, I don't think someone could pay me to write a business plan. Like, I'm just like, I've written it. It's done. I don't think that things need to be in detail as much because what I do believe has to happen is you have to have a general idea of the plan, but your entrepreneurship journey goes based on opportunity Mm -hmm. and opportunity doesn't come in linearly. Yeah. And so there would be times, I think, especially within the first couple of years where like somebody would come in and say, Hey, you know, um, Aurora Healthcare wants to do something with you. And I'm like, oh, that's great. But first, I want to make sure that I get things online and have like this, you know, type of situation going. So I would entertain, you know, whatever the big opportunity was. But I knew that I had this plan of saying, first get this, then did that. Now I'm at the point where it's like, it's not going to be in order. If this is an opportunity that fits into the plan, take that. It's a it's a 2D puzzle. It's not a 1D puzzle. You know, yeah. yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe a 3D puzzle. Shoot. I don't know. Uh, no, I, what I've been trying, I've got a new tool that you haven't, you didn't, you, you didn't get a chance to see, but it's, it's truly a three year go to market sort of summary. Okay. And, and it's a framework. All right. And it's sort of mm-hmm. how, you, that, how you're going to navigate that, you know, that where you are today to, to that three year sort of vision of where you want to be. All right. And, and, you know, you know, which channel, you know, who, your target consumer, where are they? When, which channels are you going to compete? All right. Um, and what's your prior, you know, prioritize those channels. I mean, today. All right. And, and then you start, what resources do I need from a sales and from a marketing mm-hmm. from operations? And, and you sort of summarize those at a, at a high level so that you can sort of create that more, the, the one, the, the one, the detailed business plan that you, the framework that you put together, you know, then can, can flow from that. Now, 
to your point, I mean, obviously you don't know everything. You, you don't know what you don't know. All right. Mm-hmm. And, and things are going to come up. And, and the, the reason I ask people to have a framework, because if you don't have a, if you don't have a plan of any sorts, you know, like say any road will take you there. Right. Right. Uh, you have to have a framework. All right. Now, if that, if that comes in, what happens then is that, you know, like say an, an Aurora situation. All right. So what, I mean, where does that fit? I mean, that's sort of business to business. That's a food service. I mean, Sort of think about it, like say when you start getting to be a larger company, a larger company. Let's say you're mm-hmm. a ten million dollar company. If you, I, and I've been with ten to hundred million dollar companies or more that mm-hmm. have had entrepreneurs that just go where any shiny object occurs. Right, right. <laughs> they, they make it too. I agree. Yeah. I agree. They, Everybody makes. Yeah, <laughs> they can make the company to tw- spin. Now for them, it's okay <laughs> because they don't mind it. That's how they think. Right. Um, but the, when you start having twenty or thirty employees. Um, and your your that chaos that you, you to you it's not chaos to them it is, all right. Mm-hmm. And their functionality starts becoming poor. They start to become a as you look at them as a non performer because they can't adapt to your chaos as fast as you as you're creating it. <laughs> all right. So that discipline as you grow is something that you you need you need to understand. You you're going to build that team around you, and not everybody's yeah. like Quadjo. Not everybody's like Brad. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to adapt your style to some extent to get them to perform like you want them to perform. All right. Yeah. And that's OK. Yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, well, the best leaders in the world, you have, you know, they everybody thinks you're the, you're the same as they are. All right. Because they will adapt to you, honestly. Um, they're not they're not mm-hmm. they're not the you know, the, the whole idea of the, the Lee Iacocca was great. But when he left, the place went to shambles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, what you're better off having is a team that, you know, that can, that, that can really navigate, you know, separate from the leader. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that means that the leadership has sort of developed, developed a, a, a certain framework that allows enough diversity, you know, because honestly, there, every, there, every sort of, you know, Myers-Briggs or social style, every, there's 25% of the world that goes in all four quadrants. All right. And so mm-hmm. they're out there. You can't have a whole room of, of drivers. You know, um, they'll drive you crazy, honestly. Right. Um, they're all pulling in a different direction, usually. That's interesting. Yeah. And I think that even um, going to the entrepreneurship um, arc, you know, from what I've experienced and then what I'm seeing now is you're right. So, like, I remember when I was coming out of school, it's all about getting into a big corporation. And then, like, I think maybe, um, maybe a couple of years, like, so maybe around, like you're saying 2015 or something, I always uh, would go back and talk about careers with, um, as an alumni with my different universities. And there were people who started talking about where I want to work for a startup. Right. And then now it's, I want to create the startup. And so I don't know if um, I always thought that that part where I want to work for a startup was interesting. And I think that we saw a lot of the growth that we see in entrepreneurship from that, where it's like, you know, hey, these these folks are up here working on, you know, something for flu or these folks are up here working on um, an organic um, crunch bar or something like that. I want to go work with them you know, yeah. because of their mission, their cause. Yeah. And then like all of a sudden now it's like, well, wait a minute, I have my own mission and cause that I want, you know, to work for. And I don't know no numbers. I don't know how many people are wanting to work for startups or wanting to start startups. You were saying that like almost everybody coming out of high school now wants to <laughs> be on the cover of Inc. Magazine or in, in charge. And I'm like, 
I find it interesting because I think that like when I was younger too, that's another thing that's changed about it is like when I started up a start entrepreneurship and started making my first sales and, you know, you just start to see, oh, we're going to be going to, you're going to really do something here that's going to work. Yeah. I used to turn around and be like, oh, I wonder why everybody isn't an entrepreneur. Why isn't everybody yeah. going after that dream and X, Y, Z. And then like, as you go on, the crown gets heavier and heavier yeah. and heavier. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm at the point where I'm just like, because um, like, I'm at the point now where I'm like, everybody should just do what makes them happy. Like, yeah. I don't think that like entrepreneurship is like, oh, if I could just have control of something, I could be happier. I think there's levels to it. And I think that people have to realize just what you're talking about, that nine year plan or, you know, back in the day was 15. It probably is down to nine now because yeah. of tech, but yeah. it's like, um, and the, the, the resources out there, but it's like, there's going to be a point in time and it's happened to us. And, and I realized that as soon as it happened, because like I said, I'm aware of where it is, that you go from being a startup to a small business. Yeah. Right. And so the startup part is really fun. You're excited. Mm -hmm. You know, I love seeing the passion in people's eyes where it's like, you know, we're getting ready to talk to this investor tomorrow and blah, blah, blah. I was like, great. You know what I mean? It's like, knock them dead. You know, <laughs> but it's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> what's it called? But then there's a point where you actually do succeed at those things. And now you yeah. have to run a company. And yeah. that is hard. That's that's QuickBooks. That's checks out. Yeah. More checks out than checks in. You yeah. know, like. Payable, cost receivables, aging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. All of that. Oh, this truck is stuck here. This inventory isn't going to be, you know, is a week behind. Yeah. You know, we're out of supply. Like, you're yeah. sitting there. Like, I remember talking with, like, a vanilla supplier. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to have any for, like, the next five weeks. And it's like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're not going to have supply for five weeks. What's going on over there? You know, it's just like. I have to have a backup supplier on everything, you know. Yes. <laughs> that's that's small business. Yes. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, I want to, so I'll, I'm going to start wrapping this up so that we yeah. don't on for everybody. But one of the things that I was going to say that what I've been doing now, based off of this arc that I've sort of witnessed in my lifetime and what we've discussed and, you know, you as an entrepreneur in your lifetime, um, you know, what I'm starting to see is these small businesses, these businesses that are growing, all right, then they're looking for help. You know, they're like, I can't find mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. right? And I go, part of the problem is, like I said, a lot of things we discuss are sort of broke. And now how do you get people to want to be part of what you're doing? Mm -hmm. okay? And or for any amount of time. All right. I mean, you know, even the, the first time, you know, for the first year or whatever, and then maybe for multiple years would be. And so what I've been trying to say is, does the, is there an opportunity to go full circle on this? And and I do believe there is. Oh, you know, wow. And, and yeah. this is sort of the idea that. All right. So first off, there's no training programs out there for, you know, anybody in corporate America, hardly. I mean, when I say that, I mean, I'm sure there are, but nothing like I went through, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's, you know, there, you know, there's a lot of talk about internships and scholarships and especially in trade schools and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, I, my last 18 months at, at UW-Madison was, you know, I was at UW-Madison. I worked part time, you know, year round at Oscar Mayer in developing their maintenance management system with them. Mm -hmm. And so I did a lot of grunt work for them and I learned a lot about engineering and maintenance, um, you know, in that year and a half. And they paid me handsomely in that day and age. It was eight bucks an hour at that time, which is like 25 bucks an hour today. Yeah. Um, and which was great. I was building a resume. I was learning about stuff that I was, you know, in engineering and, and it, you know, this is perfect. It led me to my career in food, you know, and, and such. And so I thought, you know, I've been trying to recommend people like, you know, there's a couple of companies in my current cohort. They're, they're in Madison area. I said, you're right. And they're in there. There's a value added egg company. 
all right, so you need somebody that understands sort of agriculture and business. They have num- one of the best ag business schools in the univer- in the nation here at the University of Wisconsin. I would yeah. go, I'd talk to their co-op department. That's how I, my co-op, the head of the co-op department found me and said, hey, Brad, you need a job because my eyes were red from working third shift auditor on mm-hmm. weekends, you know, and he said, you looks like you could use a better job than the one you've got. And uh, and and so he, wow. he got Oscar Meyer and I thought, <laughs> You, why not have? Why not go to those those schools? There's people that are going to school because they want to get a career in that in that area. All right. Yeah. While they're in school, they could work part time or the summers or whatever. Um, you could offer up a scholarship. You know, yeah. you know even a twenty five hundred dollars scholarship. That's that's a that's a buck an hour basically, buck and a half an hour. All right. And a two thousand and a, and a twenty two thousand hours a year if they worked. You know, they could work if they're work. I worked full time while I went to school. I mean, not not everybody would do that, but. But if you work 30 hours a week, I mean, that's like two bucks an hour. All right. So mm-hmm. instead, of giving them, instead of giving them 20 or 22 bucks an hour, you give them 20 bucks an hour plus a scholarship. And then, you know, and, and if you could turn it into an internship, you know, where people could actually, you know, get credit for it, you know, where you get two to you know three to six credits for an internship um, and and you get paid and you're building your resume and you're learning about startup and entrepreneurship and business. I mean, to me, it just, you know, I think you have to embrace people where they're at. And where they're at is, yeah. Where they're at is trying to figure this this sort of this lane out that you're that we've been talking about is a lot more people are looking at entrepreneurship than working for corporate America. Um, and so, you know, create a lane for them to achieve, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 embrace that, embrace what is a hard thing to recruit and then into what they are le- really looking for, right? Yeah. Cause what yeah, I think that that's um that's got to be the smart move. Um, I think about um, some of the tech companies like Instagram, where like he built Instagram because he tried to get a job at Facebook and didn't make it through their process, and so he knew he still wanted to build this this tool. And if they if they knew they were able to identify him, and he says, "Hey, I want to build this tool, Instagram, in college," you know, they said, "Sure, here's you know twenty five hundred dollars or you know five thousand dollars." Would have built you know Instagram for them for that much money, you know, and it's just like. But instead, they had to turn around after he built it and pay him a billion dollars. Yeah, you know? I know. It's, it's, yeah. It, to me, it, it almost is like I, I find it amazing, and it's a pretty you know. But but like I say once again, that 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 lane has sort of gotten you know. They like say corporate America doesn't do it like they, they used to do it. All right. Yeah. Entrepreneurs usually don't think about it this way because it's a lot of money. But I'm like, if you're fight, if you're if you're upping your ante on an hourly wage, you're playing on price. Don't play on price. Play play on value. Yeah. Yeah. What value can you offer? All right. And there is money involved in it, obviously, but it, it's more of a value equation, just like you're doing when you're doing your minimal viable product. If mm-hmm. you don't have a value equation, don't do it. Right. <laughs> All right. Right. You know, and so, you know, I, I really think um, I, I just think there's an opportunity here. And I just sort of like and, and, and more and more entrepreneurs that I've talked to that are trying to acquire decent talent, you know, people that want to play and want to do this, want to work for them. You know, they're fi- trying to figure this out. And I'm like, and more and more, I keep coming. I, I've keep, I've heard people actually, I've had a couple of startups that actually, you know, they came through a scenario. But you went through scenario planning with me. Yes, and, yes, yes. That was great. The, I don't know if you went through with the startup Sweet Peas in, the, in out in Mayville, Wisconsin. And she's like trying to figure out how to start her, restart her business in Wisconsin. 
And, 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 and this issue was a big topic for her. How do I get mm-hmm. people to work for me in Mayville? And, and, uh, you know, and, and I said, well, let's take a look at this model. And she's actually embraced that, you know, working with workforce development in the high schools mm-hmm. and, and the local. And, and she's like, this is not a problem for me. This is, this, this is a solution. All right. Um, and, and so, you know, work that angle. I mean, it's, you might as well work that angle. Every other angle of just like say adding more money onto the table doesn't seem to get people. Yeah. Anymore, right. Um, and, no, uh, it's, 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 I think that like, you know, there's also that like, you know, on, like population stuff. Right. So it's like, regardless of the population, there's only going to be about, I think 3% of people who are going to be like innovative entrepreneur type people mm-hmm. who like, that's what they care about. Yeah. And there's another, like, you know, 13, it was like, 12% that are like early adopters. They see somebody who's like, oh, that's a good idea. They're going to go for it. Yeah. And so like um, maybe what's happening is that because like when I'm thinking about the high school program that you went to, like that you um, put together that had uh, Truman and Giacomo on it. Um, yeah. And then like what we're seeing from the universities, we're seeing people who are part of that 3% like self, yeah. self-present where normally yeah. they would kind of hide yeah. They self-present, you know what I mean? But you think about even in that room, even if you had 100 kids in that room, there's another 700 kids that didn't even bother to show up. Yep. You yep. know, and so like now it's one of those things where just like what you were saying with her, it's like, how do I reach those early adopters, people who would say this is a good idea and go forward with that? And maybe that's the training, I think, that um, entrepreneurs well, you have know, to you know. And the beauty of it too, yeah, they do. They do need it. And then here's the deal. That's something you can uniquely offer that, Corporate America can't. One hundred percent. Yeah, that I can spot a good idea and say yeah. I can get on it and help that you know innovator execute. Yeah. You know that is that I think is even more powerful than having than being the quote unquote innovator or the, yeah. the face of an of an innovation. It's more yeah. powerful to be the person that can actually help them yeah. get it done. And other than that, you're you're some guy you know screaming on the, the corner of New York uh, Times Square. <laughs> About, co- about coffee cups that can help, you know, <laughs> with mental health, right? It's like if there wasn't somebody who was like, that's a good idea, that, that's what I would be, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. It actually could be a good little marketing thing there. You know, give them, you know, give them one of your cured cups and, you know. Give right. Them- that, that's the new commercial. That's the new Mom, video on Amazon. Yeah. I'm going to calm him down. Right, right. <laughs> Oh, that's fun. Cool. Well, that's great. Well, this has been fun. I uh, I enjoy these because it's it, it's a chance to sort of uh, to really talk about a topic du jour and sort of do a little bit of uh, uh, reconnecting some things. I, I I find airing these things out a little bit helps me do it. I'm a, I'm at a point in my career that I get to reflect on a lot of different things and and I get to work with people like you, Quadro, and, and other entrepreneurs that are going through the gauntlet right now as we speak. And and it's like. I just find it, uh, um, you know, my, my style is that about relating. And so it's like, how do we relate to these things? And to, and it, then it really find out what wants to happen and then let's figure out you know, how we can enable it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. I really appreciated this conversation. As always, I always love our conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Same here. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha and the Food Finance Institute by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org.